Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. The voice of God called into existence not only light, but also water, land, vegetation, and all living creatures. Now, I couldn't quite remember which day God made the vegetation. That was a trivia question that stumped me on Friday night. So, if you think that I was a ringer on that team, guess who really was? It was Connie. (laughs) She knows her stuff. I knew the Disney questions. She had the Bible ones on lock. All that aside, once all was created, God did not go silent, but he continued to speak. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God said, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But Adam and Eve did not listen to the voice of God. Instead, they were persuaded by another voice. Another voice that would lead them into the captivity of sin, death, and the power of the devil. Notice how many voices are speaking to us today. The voices of newscasters. The voices of government leaders, the voices of songwriters, bloggers, YouTubers, political candidates, the voices of television and movie actors. There are so many assorted voices speaking to us each and every day. Therefore, take a moment and account for the voices that you hear each day and consider what they are saying. In addition, consider where The voice is coming from. Is this the voice of God or is this a voice like Adam and Eve listened to that will lead you into the captivity of sin, death, and the devil? Sometimes the voices are in our own head and I don't mean some sort of mental illness. I mean our ongoing inner monologue. A voice creeps into your head and says, you're not good enough, smart enough. Strong enough. You're not enough. You failed too badly and too often and you'll never make a difference. Or maybe there's a voice that says, you can't be forgiven. You're beyond saving. You knew better and you sinned anyway. When voices such as these creep in, it is important to recognize that whenever the devil speaks, he does so with lies. He's a liar. He's been lying since the very beginning, and that's what he does. Furthermore, the devil's lies drive a wedge between us and the sweet promises and truth that come only from God's voice. Words are a really big deal. Growing up, I'm sure that we've all heard or said some variation of the classic saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. But is that really true? Think of the most enduring hurts that you've endured. Physical pain usually ends around the time a wound is healed or a break is healed. But hurts in our hearts 
Pain from the things that we've said to other people and the things that other people have said to us, that kind of pain lasts an awfully long time. Broken bones eventually heal, but we can't take back the hurtful things that we say. Even more than that, the devil likes to go ahead then and accuse us of all of our past failures as a reminder of just how powerful words can be. Words matter, and it matters where they're coming from. But the power of words doesn't just end with the negatives. We can also speak in ways that bring life and healing to other people. Encouragement, prayer, sharing the promises of God can make a world of difference to someone in need. Hello, Jesus? <laughs> our words can heal and our words can hurt. But God's word does something that human language can never do. Martin Luther once wrote about the difference between God's speech and human speech, or more than once. He talked about this quite often, that God's word does what it says. God's word calls things into existence and makes things happen simply by saying it. When God said, let there be, there it was. When God claims you in the waters of holy baptism, says, you are mine, you are his. When our Lord says through your pastors, I forgive you all of your sins, they are forgiven. And when Christ says, take and eat, take and drink, this is my body, this is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins, it is his body and blood and your sins are forgiven. God's voice does exactly what it says. This is what he meant when he said through the prophet Isaiah, my word will not return to me empty and void, but always accomplishes the purposes for which I sent it. God's voice always does what it says. Unlike the devil, and in fact his exact opposite, God speaks only truth. And in so speaking, fulfills what he promises. His word is truth itself. Discerning between the various voices encouraging us to think, feel, behave, and believe in certain ways is important. Consider the scene in our gospel text of Peter, John, and James with Jesus up on the mount. There is much to see, and the appearance of Jesus' face is altered. His clothes are sparkling with light, literally bright like lightning, Luke writes. And with him there are Moses and Elijah. And now, how they knew that it was Moses and Elijah, I'm not quite sure. Do you have a guess? Name, name tags? Jerseys? I have no idea. How did they know? But they knew. Jesus standing there between two of Israel's greats, Moses and Elijah. In fact, all, both of our first two readings are about Moses in a certain way. And how Christ is even far greater than Moses. So there's a lot to look at in the gospel scene here. But more importantly, there's a lot to listen to. Listen carefully to what is being said and to who is saying it. And notice maybe even the contrast between Peter, our namesake, who wants to build huts or tents or something, and between God. The Father from heaven proclaiming Jesus to be the chosen one. 
There are two very different reactions to this scene. Peter's reaction is filled with misunderstandings. Peter, like myself, has a chronic case of foot and mouth disease. In fact, when he opens his mouth, his foot just flies in there. <laughs> he, he often speaks before thinking. Peter thinks that it would be good to stay there on that mountain as long as they possibly could. Let's build three tents or huts. He wants to hang out there with Jesus and two of the great heroes of the faith, and he wants to just get to work right away. Get to work and then later think about the consequences. But while Peter is speaking, he's interrupted by another voice. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. There is a special connection between the one speaking and the present command to listen. We might even translate this as being listen now and keep on listening. The words indicate continual action. Listen to him now and keep on listening to him. The voices there from the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, are important, very important. But Jesus speaks with even greater authority than they. Jesus is the one, the chosen one who was foretold like in the in the book of Deuteronomy, the prophet like Moses who was to come to whom we should listen. Jesus is the light to the nations that Isaiah spoke of. Jesus is the word made flesh as John described him. Jesus is God's word and everything that Jesus says and everything that Jesus does is truth. You are forgiven. Listen to him. You are free in him. Listen to him. Nothing can separate you from his love. Listen to him. Because there's an awful lot of voices out there telling you other things. Even contradictory things. But listen to him. The voice from the cloud clearly states that they are to listen to Jesus and only Jesus. And when the voice had spoken, they found Jesus only. The Old Testament figures are gone. They had completed their service of pointing to Christ. The kingdom of God was now here in the person of Jesus as the voice of God proclaimed. And notice the response after this of the three disciples. It's one way to get Peter to stop talking. It's silence. Listen to Jesus. Because <laughs> as we often remind ourselves, we have Two ears, but only one mouth. We should spend time listening more than talking. Twice as much, I would say. The disciples there gathered did not speak any longer. But they listened. And maybe that's the point. Do more listening to God's voice and less talking. We are tempted to talk when maybe we should be listening. Peter was tempted to say something, but what he desired there was not God's desire. And because that was the case, he misunderstood what was happening. Because he was so quick to speak and slow to listen. Instead, as the psalmist said, be still and know that I'm God. For what is going to happen next, after the transfiguration is life-changing for you and for all the world. 
Peter, James, and John catch a glimpse of Jesus' glory on that mountaintop. Not long before something else would take place on a different mountaintop. Something not quite so glorious by our earthly standards, but in fact what John in his gospel describes as his glory. Instead, on this mountaintop, instead of seeing Elijah and Moses there on either side of Jesus, he's there with two criminals. Just like on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus will again be alone, but this time it's because he's been abandoned by his disciples and forsaken even by his Father so that we never would be. And two, his face is altered. But this time, not glowing, but beaten beyond recognition. And instead of dazzling white clothing, white as lightning, he's stripped bare in shame and humiliation. Not quite the type of scene in which Peter would say, Master, it is good that we are here. In fact, Peter had already flown the coop. And I mean that as a pun on purpose. He'd flown the coop before the rooster crowed, abandoning the Lord whose glory he'd seen. You know, after all, that's why we've got a chicken up on our steeple, right? It's supposed to be a rooster, but somebody told me it was a chicken. Churches that were not of the Roman persuasion started putting those rooster weather vanes up as a reminder that Peter, too, is a sinner in need of forgiveness, not God's mouthpiece on earth as the Roman church claimed their pope was. Recall what we've said about God's word. God's word is always true. It is the truth itself and always does what it says. Before he breathes his struggling last, Jesus declares with full divine authority that it is finished or completed. And indeed, it is. The battle against sin and death was over, and Jesus was the one victorious. And on the third day, he rose again in glory, the same glory that those three disciples had witnessed at his transfiguration. The same glory to which he will raise you and all believers when he comes again in glory on the last day. This upcoming Wednesday, we will be reminded... That we are from dust, and to dust we will return. But remember this, that dust does not have the final word. Jesus does. So listen to him. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all of our human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.